The following podcast was first published by John Lothian News on June 24th, 2021. Since then, we have heard from some of our listeners knowledgeable about cannabis markets that they disagree with Jack Rugen's description of the current structure and dynamics of the industrial hemp industry. As journalists, our interest is in providing information that our listeners will find interesting and potentially valuable. With that in mind, we invite you to listen to my interview with Jack with the understanding that John Lothian News neither endorses nor denies Jack Perugian's statements about the state of hemp production and marketing today. Jack Perugian has been an important contributor to financial markets innovation for a number of years. We hope you will find this provocative podcast worthwhile. This is Suzanne Cosgrove with John Lothian News. We're talking today with Jack Perugian of the Global Smart Commodity Group. Jack is a former CME board member, previous director of Nico Securities Equity Futures Operation, and a previous president of the Futures Division of Commerce Bank. Recently, Jack changed his focus from equities to commodities. He's co-founder of the Universal Compute Exchange, a marketplace for cloud services, and he's also chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, an electronic commodity exchange. So, Jack, what exactly does GSCG offer? We have to understand where the world of commodities is right now. Uh, when we think about it, things haven't really changed all that much in the last few hundred years. And what I mean by that is when they were trading rice in Osaka and tulips in Amsterdam, aside from going electronic, we really haven't made a lot of big changes over the course of, say, the last 20 years. But technology has changed. We see now blockchain technology. We see different things that are out there that enable us to do things in the world of commodities that was un- when, that was just impossible at one time. Um, so, and I'll give you a real good example before we, we talk about what GSCG offers. When I was president of Commerce Bank, we would take delivery on sugar. Most of the time, the, the specs of the sugar that was delivered were inferior. So the buyer of the sugar was credited. So what was happening was it was really not an exact science, but rather an art form. You were trying to fit a square uh, peg into a round hole in many cases. So what we decided was we were going to try to take the technology at hand, the blockchain technology, being able to track and trace everything from inception. So from seed all the way through sale or from, from mine all the way through magnet and be able to maintain the provenance, the data, improve that data all the way on through, keeping it on that peer-to-peer network, creating a smart contract and being able to have both buyer and seller have absolute assurance of what their supply chain and their quality assurances are. So, let's go. And then what exactly does GSCG offer? How does that fit into this new scenario that you just described. Well, what we are and what GSCG offers is a platform that enables both buyers and sellers to come and use that technology in the fashion I just described. Mm-hmm. So uh, this way it gives the buyer absolute assurance of what they're buying, quality control. Um, and it's very important with certain commodities that are that are 
basically new and looking for central price discovery. Um, but more importantly, and the other thing that C GSCG offers is, is looking at these emerging commodities and fragmented global marketplaces, uh, which are coming under pressure because of, of limitations and, and, and global supply chains, which are being readjusted. Um, and, and it's important for, for us to be able to find risk management tools. And that's really what we are offering. So it's basically a combination of, of supply chain management and risk management put onto a single platform. Who are your clients? Well, we don't have a membership as of yet. Uh, we found a very unique way of offering memberships. And if, if they, people go to our site, they'll be able to figure that out because we want to maintain, uh, we want to make sure that people that buy memberships also have some equity uh, in the exchange. Uh, so we've, we've worked out in a relationship with one of our, a large crowd funder um, that has come in and told us this is the way to do it. Uh, so when somebody comes in to invest a certain amount of money, they get a free membership. And that free membership, uh, of course, is, is, is worth some money down the road. Um, but what we are right now is basically a, 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 uh, an, in, an industrial um, platform because we're seeing the big industries um, of hemp uh, specifically uh, because that's really the co the contract that we have launched that and Allo right now and we'll get into those in a little bit uh, but but right now those are our clients people that are in absolute need of of central price discovery and of absolute assurance of pre transactional verification this is something that that is missing in a lot we take it for granted uh, you know using a clearing function at the CME for example uh, but but the these worlds of cash commodities don't have that in many cases, and they absolutely need it in, in certain growing um, asset classes. How many members do you have so far? We call them customers rather than members right now, but and we've probably got a good 150, um, and um, not all of them are uh, transacting. Some have a seed in the ground, for example, uh, and and they're trying to uh, maintain uh, the, their balance and their costs by just watching the pricing so that they can deliver to the platform uh, when it's necessary. Um, th there are certain nuances to some of the commodities, and I think we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about hemp, but but that are so absolutely absolutely necessary. And, and that's one of the reasons why we had to do what we did. It was, it, it really came out of, of a necessity for these, these end users, these customers that are using the platform. You, you mentioned clearing. Do you have a clearing organization you're working with or do you have a clearing entity? Well, we, we are absolutely planning on disrupting clearing as we know it. Um, look, I, one of the things that I used to talk about all the time was the fact that it used to take three days to settle stocks, and then they moved it to two days to settle stocks. Uh, and in this day and age of technology, I find that to be probably the most inefficient thing in the world. What we found is that if we can tokenize this ecosystem with a stable coin, so it's tied to the U.S. dollar, uh, so the volatility is that of the U.S. dollar rather than the crypto cryptocurrency world. But once you have that, now you've got pre-transactional verification. Somebody needs to buy those tokens in order to come to the platform and transact. That is all part of this whole smart contract process. So when A happens, B will happen. When B happens, C happens. Uh, the release of the tokens happens upon um, the, the specifications which are being met. And, that, and that's the other thing that's very important is maintaining those specs all the way on through. And what we have done, uh, which is very, very unique, is we have maintained the, uh, the chain of custody 
all the way on through the process, through testing, through warehousing, through delivery and logistics. These are all very, very important. And we put them on a single pane of glass on our platform for that person to be able to see. So if you're buying it, you know where it was grown, where it was tested, where it was delivered, how it was delivered, how it was stored all the way on through the process. It's very unique that you get that kind of, of, of information and that kind of data uh, all on, on one pane of glass. You mentioned a little bit about memberships and how you're approaching that. I'm wondering also about uh, investors in the exchange. You have a global focus. Are there investors in CSCG from outside the U.S.? Well, actually, uh, the the way it was started was by foreign investors. Um, We had some people approach me, and this is the genesis of it all, uh, out of New Zealand. uh, And they have one of the three largest medical licenses uh, for growing cannabis in New Zealand. Um, And uh, the the, the lady that is one of the largest founders of this company called Equalis uh, came to Chicago uh, from Auckland and uh, and said, Jack, we're looking for a platform to be able to transition exact medical grade marijuana to pharmaceuticals um, once it becomes legal and once the transactions uh, can become legal because we see that down the road. We see that in another few years. Um, That led us to the creation of what we were doing. So yes, we have an absolute global reach. Um, We are presently incorporating the platform down in New Zealand uh, and in other parts of the world for various other products. Avocados are one. Um, There's a, a large avocado harvest that comes out of, of uh, New Zealand, comes out of Mexico, comes out of uh, California. Um, so we find that, the, and between that and the avocado oil, uh, we want to maintain the sustainable avocado as opposed to the avocados that are using a lot of water at this time. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do, Suzanne, and, and this really kind of differentiates us from other exchanges out there, um, is not only are we incorporating all the new technology, so it's almost like we have a, a blank blackboard that we can start writing on and doing and creating what we want, but we're trying to focus on things that are sustainable, that are ecologically sensitive. Um, we're, we're very focused on that. Um, and, and a lot of that came from, believe it or not, my, my son's friend, who's a, a Tesla engineer, who said, you know, Mr. B, why don't you trade things that are important to my generation? Uh, things that are going to be things like EV, the, the parts for, for rare earth elements, uh, you know, whether it be hemp. And hemp was something that really stuck out for us. And that's one of the reasons we really started with hemp. So I I wonder, just backing up a second, is that how you got involved in this sector? I mean, before you really worked for more traditional companies, mostly in equity futures and options. And this seems like a real different kind of endeavor. Am I right or uh, no? Um, you are in a way, uh, you know, I'm always one to, to look at opportunities and it's, it's look, look, I've been very fortunate, Suzanne. I sat next to probably one of the, the greatest minds in our industry for eight years and listened to him through board meetings, through strategic planning meetings, through executive committee meetings. I probably saw him more than I saw my wife and that was Leo Malamed. All right. And I listened to him and I probably learned more from that man than, than anybody else aside from my parents. And uh, what he taught me was to always keep an eye open for and seize that moment of opportunity when it's there. Uh, and this is that moment. It's that 
that moment for, for certain industries. So I, I've always thought like that. He, he made me think like that. Um, and and it, it, it almost trained me. And it was one of the reasons why, you know, we were, I was the first one to embrace the whole e-mini concept when he brought it to the table, whereas others at that boardroom uh, voted against it. Uh, they did not like the idea of going electronic with these markets. Yet I saw where we were going, where we could be the, the world's largest financial toll booth if we did this properly on the future side. Um, so, so things like that always kept my eyes open for opportunity, but more importantly, for, for the right type of disruption in the marketplace, uh, whether it be the electronic disruption that, that I was part of, uh, whether it be the creation of new markets. So we, we created the, the, uh, the mid-cap for example, out of thin air, uh, the S&P the S&P Corporation came to us and said, "We want to create a mid-cap index, and we would like for you to create futures on it." Um, so that's what we did. So, and then the Russell was was nothing more than an index. We created a futures contract off of it. All of that basically came out of uh, when I was chairman of the Equity Indices Committee, um, and and it it really it gave me the 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 foundation for everything that we're doing today with GSCG. So you're starting out with a spot market in hemp, so biomass, extracts, fiber. Um, why hemp in particular? Well, hemp is very nuanced. Hemp is both a medicine and it's a commodity. Uh, hemp is being, hemp has probably got thousands and thousands of uses and we haven't even discovered them yet. Between the hundreds of cannabinoids that are within hemp itself uh, in the oils and the full spectrum oil, uh, and not even to mention the fact that your, your, the, the biggest push is coming from your automobile makers because they are very insistent on making uh, everything as green as possible. Hemp fiber, hemp herd is probably going to be one of the largest things that we see in the marketplace in another four to five years. We can already see it. Um, the biomass that's out there uh, and the extracts are very important for other reasons, too. Uh, remember, one of the, 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 the wonderful qualities of hemp, and remember, it's, it's, it's such a shifting market. And, and the reason we really started on hemp is because it's the Wild West. Uh, the, the pricing is all over the place. Um, what we realized was even the pricing that was given to us by people that were creating uh, you know, the, these, these, these hemp prices was wrong. Uh, they were taking averages of, of something that was an apple and, and an orange, and then they were giving us an average price to it. What we have done is we've, we've done something that the USDA has looked upon and said, yes, that's exactly what we need. And we've, we've divided the country up into different zones as, because that's exactly how nuanced the hemp market is. Uh, we'll probably put out an index eventually on it, but, but what's important about the hemp market, and, and this is important, is it's so it's so it's it's need you need to know the quality of the seed that's going in the ground um, and that is whether you're making herd and turning it into fiber whether you're turning it into animal feed or whether you're going to sell it to a pharmaceutical uh, for CBD and that's really where the necessity of, of coming in with this technology uh, really came from so all of a sudden you, you need to know what is the genetic marker on that seed where was it grown uh, what is the the heavy metal count in the soil that it's being grown in? What is the pesticide count? How is that 
being filtered in uh, into the uh, in, into the uh, you know, the curating of the dry plant, and then into the oils and the distillates. Um, so, so those are the things that everybody needs to know, especially with hemp. So, all of those nuances, which by the way are going to be absolutely necessary for other commodities such as rare earth elements, which there are so many different, uh, and 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 we see that down the road, and and marijuana futures down the road, or marijuana markets, I should say, uh, down the road are probably going to need the exact same thing because they are very nuanced. Uh, but but that's really where this all started and why we're really focusing on hemp. We see thousands of commodities out there that are underserved in the marketplace. Uh, I'll give you five, for example. We're talking to the people in the aloe industry, the people in the avocado industry, the people in the honey industry, the people in the kiwi industry, uh, the people in the banana industry. All have come to us and said, we want what you have so we can, we can maintain the provenance of our product. Nothing inferior gets into the supply chain and the buyer knows exactly what they're getting uh, from, from the minute it came out of the ground. So that's really, uh, you know, where, where we're at with it. And we're really excited about what we're doing, Suzanne. You mentioned automakers are interested in hemp. And that was a new one to me. How do they use hemp? They use, they use it in the, the manufacture of their parts and also of their seats. Um, the interior of the car, whether it be, uh, you know, a manufactured leather or whatever, is now being made more and more with uh, fiber, with hemp fiber and herd. Uh, down the road, Volkswagen eventually told us in a phone call, they're looking within 15 years of having 100% of their interior be completely sustainable, which in our minds means it's 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 coming from, from either a, a hemp plant or something like a hemp plant. Um, and the other part of that, and this is something the automakers are talking to us directly about, is that they want us to look at the fact that hemp in and of itself has soil re, uh, rem, uh, remediation, and it also has um, a CO2 capture. So now it is a natural carbon credit. So what they are talking about doing is actually using the hemp and then actually buying the carbon credits also against their manufacturing process mm -hmm. so they can stay completely green. So these are the things that we're working with. We're talking to the people that certify the, the, uh, the hemp carbon credits right now. Uh, and we're going to talk to, we're in discussions with the government to actually get those listed too. Uh, but but uh, it's, and by the way, that's also a way for these farmers to be able to, to recoup some of the losses uh, because they cannot flatten out the volatility of the market right now if they're growing hemp. Um, it just gets, it, it's, it, the laws are so insane. Uh, they need to be standardized. And until then, uh, all they can do is, is come to our market and, and hopefully um, find a buyer for their wares. Well, that's something I wanted to ask you about too. How do traders, going back to the exchange, how do traders price hemp? Well, you know what? They're, it depends on what they're pricing. Are they pricing biomass? Are they pricing isolate? Are they pricing herd? Uh, a lot of it is priced uh, through competition. Uh, you know what? It's it, right now. It's uh, like the old days. If you think about it, with uh, with the bond market, it's basically uh, people that are looking at the screen. They're looking at a price, and you know, if they're a, a market maker or if, if they're a market taker, uh, that'll determine where they come in on that. But right now, it's really it is about as is uh, an open outcry and or. I shouldn't say open outcry, but as, as 
as fair an auction process as the hemp industry has seen as of yet. Because um, it used to be where you would ask somebody what isolate was priced at, and they would say it's a 300 bid offered at 1,000. Uh, at least now you have a benchmark. It is last is 500. Uh, this is where it's being delivered. This is the isolate. This is exactly what was delivered, and here were the specs on it. And you know exactly what that market priced at. And, and it's fair rather than taking, um, you know, a biomass that was, uh, you know, 0.3 uh, uh, with a CBD and a THC count against the herd um, uh, uh, biomass and then all of a sudden coming in with, a, with, a, with a, uh, an average price, which is really what's happening, unfortunately. Um, it's, and again, all of that fragmentation uh, is leading to this opportunity that we've kind of taken a hold of. You know, you mentioned indexes and, and benchmarks. What do you have one that you're using right now? We're creating it. Uh, we find that everything that's out there is, is flawed. Um, and, and that's, you know, nothing uh, disparaging about the people that are out there. They just, they, they didn't know how else to do it. And a lot of them did not come from the commodities world, um, you know, and if they did, uh, they didn't understand the nuances that, that we needed. So in essence, what we're doing is we're creating an, an, an index. Um, and what we really would like is the blessing of the USDA, um, because this is one of the few markets, if you think about it, that has the USDA, the FDA, uh, interstate commerce, you've got all the regulators in the world that are involved with hemp, uh, whether it be the transportation of hemp, whether it be the, the manufacturing of it, whether it be the growing of it, whether it be the testing of it, all of the, this is the most heavily regulated area. So the, the transparency that we can, the more transparency that we can give somebody in the cash market, the better off they are. Um, so essentially what we're doing at that point is really creating our own benchmark and our own index uh, because it becomes a true index uh, rather than something that's maybe you know, a little bit more fluff or, or taken out of context. Um, and again, I don't, I don't mean to disparage anybody's work, uh, but we realize the flaws out there and those are really what we're trying to fix. What about industry adopting you know, your, your platform or your benchmarks? It, are you the... waiting for USDA? No, no, we're, 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 we're transacting right now. We've probably, we've probably transacted more isolate, uh, more biomass, um, and these are friendly transactions. We haven't really opened it up to the world as of yet. Uh, you know, we, we've just kind of, we're keeping it kind of friendly, but the industry is coming to us. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we find. The whole idea of hemp carbon credits has come to us through the hemp farmers community saying, is there a way for you to be able to find somebody that could certify these so that we can try to monetize what we're growing if we can't sell it? Uh, or if we can't turn it because, uh, you know, and, and here's a good example, uh, Pennsylvania, if, if, the, if the THC level is over three tenths of a percent uh, or 0.03, they, they have to burn the plant. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, that happens just naturally at times. Um, so th they're saying to us, well, if we have to do that, is there a way for us to recoup it? Well, there is. If you can actually create a carbon credit around what you have just grown because of the, the you know, the soil remediation, uh, because of the, the CO2 capture, uh, because of the fact that now we've got something that, that people need uh, or else they're going to get fined. Now there's a market for those carbon credits um, and they can actually go out there and sell them and monetize at least that part of their of their growth. So the transactions they're actually buying and selling goods or are they just oh, yeah. 
They're, they're buyers and sellers on the platform right now. Uh, they're, uh, they're very aggressive. Uh, there, there are times where you'll see people come in with a lot of, uh, say, biomass. And what they'll say to us is that we're just going to put a little bit on the market at any given time. Um, we want to be ready for this explosion in, in hemp. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you had so many people growing it over the course of the last couple of years, because they see it too. And I think we're a couple of years down the road from that explosion. Once that happens, Suzanne, then everything else falls into place for these markets. And it's not only hemp, it's these other, these other markets that we're describing too, but hemp could be the thousand pound gorilla. Um, as, we, as, we un, as we unfold that onion, we see more and more there. But my understanding is quite a bit of oversupply of hemp. So how do you how do you calculate that? Everybody grew, everybody grew the same kind, and and what happened was they were way too early. And again, it's the other reason why they needed our platform. Um, you know, because people didn't understand it. People were growing hemp that didn't understand what they were growing. They just thought that they would be able to grow it and sell the biomass. They didn't realize that th- it had to be tested properly. They didn't even realize at times if you grew it in certain states, you wouldn't be able to harvest it. Uh, and, and that's really what happened. Um, people took all of that volatility is really one of the reasons uh, that the, the the industry came to us and said, please create something for us to be able to flatten out this volatility. Um, and, and it's really one of the reasons that we're doing it. So, you know, now having said that to you, you have a, you know, you had an oversupply in hemp biomass for certain things. You have an undersupply and a huge demand for fiber. Uh, so right now you have got, I mean, an amazing market uh, for people that are looking for what they call herd, H-U-R-D, which is fiber. And that is one of the things that is just, you know, absolutely uh, driving the market and will probably drive it over the course of the next few years. Whether it be, whether it be fiber, whether it be hempcrete, there are so many different uses, uh, green uses for this for this plant. Uh, and then, you know, and, and it, aside from the fact that it's not, it's, it's actually good to grow for the, for, for the, you know, for the, for the world. Um, so it, it makes it a very interesting um, initial asset class for us to launch. Will the platform trade THC product that is marijuana when or if it becomes federally legal in the U.S.? Um, I believe we will. Uh, a lot of that depends on when the, the schedule of, of, you know, the, the, the federally legal status actually uh, comes due. But, uh, but keep in mind that this company was actually founded by people that own uh, the largest cannabis growing company in New Zealand. Uh, so uh, they are presently using this for cannabis in New Zealand. And I would expect them uh, you know, and I would expect us to be able to take the, uh, the, the launch of THC products and just flip a switch. Um, we're, we're already working on specs right now as we speak uh, and trying to do whatever we can to prepare for that day. Um, the fact that we're, we've got the, the, the blockchain enabled platform gives us the ability to be able to talk to the, those that are manufacturing the product and growing the product. Uh, and it gives them the assurance that they're not going to get infringed upon. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of concern right now, especially in the THC cannabis space uh, about, uh, uh, about the IP uh, of certain uh, genetic uh, formulations. And that's one of the things that we can absolutely protect because uh, we can track and trace those right from seed all the way on, not only to sale, but hopefully into a secondary derivative form uh, once we get there. So in New Zealand, they're actually trading 
They're using it in a they're using it in a proprietary way. Exactly, they're using it for their own proprietary methods. Uh, they're not trading it as much as using it to transact with, uh, because they're doing it with uh, pharmaceutical companies. But what we see is a is a um, a proof of concept that is successful, and um, and and that's one of the things that we were very very interested in. Beyond hemp, uh, are there any plans to list other products? Absolutely. Uh, we're looking at rare earth elements. Uh, we're looking at, um, like I say, marijuana. We're looking at avocados. We're looking at aloe. Uh, in fact, we've already launched an aloe contract with Specs. We have the largest aloe producers in the world have come to us and said, we need risk management uh, and can you help us? So, so we're doing that. Um, believe it or not, people that are in the fish industry out of, uh, out of Europe have approached us. Um, because they'd like to tag uh, the certain fish that are being shipped around the world, um, and and they want to use that and, and be able to uh, to capture all of that data onto our platform. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think the, the possibilities, Suzanne, are endless. Um, even things that are presently trading on the major exchanges, if you think about it, uh, which really was one of the genesis uh, you know, of this, is when I was talking about that sugar market back when I was president of Commerce Bank Futures. And the reality is that you know if if the exchanges could offer this on the cash side, which doesn't exist right now. Uh, they don't know exactly what they are getting at times. Uh, it's very fragmented. So, um, so this really kind of closes that loop. Um, and, and, and just to, to give you a little background on why I know a little bit more about this than I should, uh, aside from being president of commerce, our CEO was probably the largest dairy trader uh, here in the U.S. His name is Robert uh, Albergine. And, and Rob was one of these people that would, would constantly take delivery on product uh, for, the, for the dairies, and he was managing their risk. And he was one of the people that told me about the inefficiencies in the cash market. And, and that's exactly what we pinpointed and really where the disruption is taking place with our platform. So let's go back a little bit to how it all works. And you said, uh, you've talked a lot about blockchain technology and tokenized settlements. I understand blockchain, but don't blockchain transactions need to be standardized? I mean, how can you standardize hemp since there's so much variety in hemp? You, you don't need to you don't need to standardize the transaction. You need to you need to actually capture the data onto the blockchain network itself. That's the difference. All right. There, the, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're making sure that the data is captured and it's irrefutable and it can and it's in, and, and it can not can be and it cannot be altered. That is probably the most important part of what see blockchain for, for people means different things. Uh, for some people, it means, uh, uh, you know, it means Bitcoin. Uh, for me, it meant um, it's a tool by which we can use things to get absolute assurance. Uh, so now if we have quality assurance, which is really what we're capturing here, we're capturing that data to give the buyer uh, absolute assurance of what they're getting fr from the minute it goes in the ground to the minute it gets tested on the way through that process. That is that is the, the, the data that's put onto the blockchain, Suzanne. That is the data that's put onto what we call the smart contract. So that smart contract will vary depending on who the grower is, depending on what grade of hemp it is, uh, depending on, on what people are looking for, in other words. Uh, so, so the herd is going to have completely different specs. Uh, and so there, it's going to vary. And you might have three or four different herd providers and their herd might, might vary. So you might have one herd that's absolutely great for textile manufacturing, whereas another herd uh, is actually better for the manufacturing of, uh, of upholsteries, whether it be 
um, for, for seating or for furniture. Um, so, so it's those types of nuances and fragmentation that we're able to actually trace and track all the way on through the process. Um, so, so that's really where blockchain comes in. That and, of course, the fact that we are we incorporate that tokenized settlement into it. So in, in other words, it, it eliminates the, the whole clearing and settlement process as we have known it over the course of the years. What this basically does is say, if A happens, then B will happen. So it, it, when, when we go all the way on through that chain, all right, once you get to the point where everything is delivered, all right, then there's the release of the tokens into the wallet of the seller. So now everything is, the buyer and seller get exactly what they need. Everything has been proven out. And now, and the way it gets proven out is through that peer-to-peer network, which we call the blockchain. And you're settling these contracts in cryptocurrencies, basically. And I'm just wondering how you will deal with, or how will you protect your customers when you have such inherent volatility in crypto prices recently? And, And really for a long time, um, there's, there's a lot of volatility in crypto right now. There's an amazing amount of volatility in crypto right now. Um, what we are, there's a big difference between a cryptocurrency and a stable token, which is really what we are. Um, a, a cryptocurrency is something that you you make up. Uh, I can make up, uh, you know, a million jack dollars and, and pass those out and sell them each for a dollar. Well, that's that's a cryptocurrency. Uh, Dogecoin is, is a good example of that. No, what we are is a is a stable coin. Uh, in other words, uh, it's dollar for dollar. Uh, each token is worth one dollar. Uh, so in essence, when you're making a transaction, you can think of them as dollars. What we do, though, with the, with the tokens is we because we make both buyer and seller have a wallet, have pre-transactional verification and buy tokens to make the transaction. Now what we do is we control those funds uh, and we can maintain control of product and funds at the same time, uh, which is very important, especially in this world where people are dealing in cash in some cases uh, and, and, and they're still trying to figure out how best um, I guess the, the one line I'll leave you with is when uh, somebody said to me, Jack, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. All buyers are liars in the hemp industry. And I started laughing and I said, well, that's not going to happen on our platform because we'll have the, those tokens in hand. And, uh, and that's exactly what's happened. But what about just settling in dollars rather than? Well, we, we, we could do that. But what we'd rather do, though, is, is incorporate the, the entire air use of the blockchain technology all the way on through. Um, and it also gives uh, both uh, buyer and seller a, a little bit more assurance. Plus what we would like to do uh, down the road is, is actually have um, people come in and start to maybe make more liquid markets. Using tokens is, is very easy, especially when it comes to settlement. And it also does away with the clearing process. Um, you know, they can convert whenever they want, just like you can in any other marketplace. But, you know, there are some people that will just maintain a wallet of, of tokens and they will use them to trade with. Um, and, and that's what we find. So uh, for us, it, it becomes a, a, a very clear way of incorporating all of the different technologies in, into one. Who are your competitors? There really aren't that many, but nobody is using 
blockchain technology and, and tokenized settlement. Uh, nobody in, in the world for that matter. Um, I, the only people out there that I know and they've actually contacted us and they're watching what we're doing very closely is Singapore. Uh, Cymex is, is, is playing with tokenized settlement and they're trying to do different things. One of the problems, Suzanne, is that with tokenized settlement, of course, comes disintermediation uh, of the clearinghouse. And, and that is you know, the type of disruption that people aren't really ready for right now. Um, but uh, but it's, it's, you know, I think it's inevitable. Um, you know, the, the whole clearing and settlement process hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, and technology now is at hand that allows us to change it. So that's exactly what we're doing. Well, Jack, thanks so much for joining us today. This is Suzanne Cosgrove for John Lothian News.